Tommy Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hellicans, welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your T-Lo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your T-Lo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. I'm here. Low is here. Low is here. Feeling, <laughs> feeling very low. Yes. Um, it is scorching outside. We have not left our place in days. We're so, like in a little aquarium, a little air-conditioned aquarium. We're very lucky that we have all this. Yes. Uh, so stay this safe. Is true. Drink um, a lot of water. Absolutely. Uh, we're running out of food, but we'll figure that out. Over, the, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. This. Uh, earlier, I was like, ah, oh, we should do like DoorDash. It's Friday, and I was like, yeah, I don't. No. Yeah, that food's going to be sitting in no, someone's no. car I mean, in 110 degree it, weather. It, I don't think so. It's very hot. Yes. Anyway, uh, we have an all fashion. This is something I've been wanting to do for a while because it it is called the Pop Style Opinion Fest, and we have not been putting the style <laughs> into our Opinion Fest lately. So it is an all fashion Opinion Fest this week, which I am very thrilled about. We are going to talk about a um, recent trip to New York. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, we went to the Met last weekend. Uh, we uh, booked a hotel room in New York and did two full days at the Met. Um, right. Um, we, because I, I just was going stir crazy. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I said to you, I was like, let's just keep it simple. I have been dying to go to a museum since lockdown. That was right. one of the things that I've missed. And I never, we've been out of lockdown for a year now, but it's just, we haven't gotten around to, you know, really good. And I was like, let's go to the Met. Let's just, it's so huge. You can spend at least an entire weekend right. there. And uh, we did. And I don't think we saw more than 60% of it. No, but it was great because when we usually go to New York, it, we have some sort of meeting or something. It's usually work related. It's work related. The last time we were there, we were, we met the uh, Italian publisher of our book. Oh, that's right. Also, yeah. our book came out this week. Yeah. I forgot about oh that. Oh, my God. How can you forget that? I, before we flipped on the mics, I was going to mention, I was going to say we should mention our book is coming out in... Um, Espanol. Uh, yes. I know. In, in Spanish. Spanish. Awesome. Very, very uh, awesome. What's, The cover what's is the gorgeous. title? Uh, um, Desfile de Leyendas, I think. Um, which is... Parade uh, of Legends. Parade of Legends, which is very close to... You know our title in a way, right. and they kept the cover. They kept the artwork when yeah. they, when the Italian edition of our book came out. They changed the title and they changed the artwork. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm thrilled to see any any book of ours get right. translated right. into another language. I wasn't in love with the artwork or the cover right. that the Italian. Uh, we should explain that we have no control over it. I mean, no, the rights get sold, and, and then they do whatever they want. Yeah, uh, I mean, not whatever they want. No, they, but in terms of cover and uh, right, you know, that so kind of Plankton Press in Spain is is um, putting out. Uh, the Spanish language, so uh, any of our Spanish uh, readers or Spanish-speaking readers out there can get a Spanish-language version of the We're book. We're very excited about it. Very excited. I mean, it's Such something a... that I didn't even, never dreamed of. Like, Oh, I about. did? Are you oh, kidding you did? me? That of course. It's going to be translated into several languages? Of no, course. I, I, didn't, I didn't go that so, far. So, you know, if mind. you're like a French-language publisher out yes. there listening, you should probably bid. Because, and German. Yeah, I mean, all of these uh, countries now have their own version of Drag Race, right, which right. is making it perfect. For a release of our book. Anyway. We went to New York. Last time we were in New York was in December to meet with uh, the editor of our Italian edition just to have lunch with her. And it was fabulous and it was lovely. She gave us a copy of the book. It was just to meet her. And but she wanted to get to know us a little more. Yeah. In recent years, uh, all we, every time we went into New York, it was business. Right. It was book related. It was or we were doing a radio or appearance a or, yeah, or we were going to Fashion Week. So uh, it was nice to be in New York for something that was just for leisure. 
just for us. <laughs> just and, for us. Um, you know, it was super hot in New York. So we didn't, we just went from our hotel to the Met and spent seven, eight hours right. in the Met each day. We were like the first ones in line. <laughs> yeah, it was really great. It I, opens at 10. We were there like at 9.55. It just um, really fed my soul. Uh, in a way, I right. was like, "Oh man, we really need to be going to more museums. Like, we need to do this." More I mean, we often. love museums; we both do. Uh, but we, life got interrupted, right? And you know, I, you know, everyone had a had their own way of handling the pandemic. We were very overcautious uh, in general, so yeah. we didn't go out much. Uh, and then slowly, we started going out, but we didn't we didn't go to museums and things like that. And we wanted to go back to museums because it's something we like to do. Yeah, it wasn't something I was avoiding. We no, just never no. got around to it once right, lockdown right. ended. And then I turned around this spring, and I was like, we are just right. going to devote a weekend to a museum. Let's just pick one, and we're just going to... And I really enjoyed it. Uh, I... I don't think I, I have spent that much time in a museum before. I mean, it was like not, two days. Not since I was probably in college. No, it was like two days, pretty much. Um, and uh, us being, uh, uh, you know, everything turns into content in our lives. But so we're going to partially <laughs> do a podcast, but we're going to talk about them. Um, Costume Institute's two exhibits right. uh, that, you know, Anna Wintour helped put together and around which two Met Galas were, were uh, themed which was the America and Anthology of Fashion in, in, in America, a lexicon of fashion. So we went to see both of those exhibits, and we're going to give our thoughts on that from uh, from the perspective of someone who, well, if nothing else, no one needs to consider us experts on fashion. We've never asked for that. But we are people who've been writing about it for right. 16 years. We have been right. front row at Fashion Week. We have interviewed designers and fashion editors and stylists and costume designers. So I also worked in fashion for a little bit. Yes. So, yeah. Lorenzo was a buyer and a stylist. So um, we have a knowledge base. Uh, and uh, so we can look at an exhibit like this and we can right. uh, talk about it from, let's put it this way, we saw a ton of exhibits in the Met that weekend, but that was the only one upon which I could spend time talking right. in, exactly. a, in a podcast about. Um, so we're going to talk about the the um, those two exhibits and then we're going to talk a little bit, of, uh, we're going to move on to the red carpet and talk about the big story of the week, which is Brad Pitt wore a skirt, right. oh. <laughs> uh, which is not, uh, and I know how silly that sounds, but um, we follow, of course we do. We follow a lot of entertainment and fashion press and um, more so than you do probably whoever's listening to this. And uh it's literally been the story of the week. It's yeah. all anybody's well, writing about. And uh, we want to unpack why that is and also where that's coming from and what it's sort of saying about this moment in in, in fashion and in menswear and in celebrity. But it's like the white straight male wears a skirt. Uh, well, we're going to get into all of that because, um, yeah, there's some stuff to unpack there. So I'm actually really thrilled that we have good fashion stuff to talk about. And I'm also thrilled with my Bombas socks. Yep. Segway! Perfect segway! Bombas's mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So, when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And I got to say, we just got finished talking about how hot this weather is, and I'm still sitting here in my um, Bombas ankle sock, you know, footy socks. Mm -hmm. 
uh, because of that, they actually do keep your feet cool and supported. Um, I'm sitting here with a pair of uh, sneakers on, and this way they're not going to... It doesn't stink up my... Like, you don't always think of socks in for hot weather use, but I do, and I use my Bomba socks almost every single day, I swear. Anyway, there's a pair of Bomba socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options, like comfy performance styles made with sweat-wicking yarns. What did I just say? <laughs> Which means your feet stay cool while the rest of you works up a sweat. Like, every day we work out, I'm in my Bomba socks. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, mean, I always wear them. Yeah. Even when the weather's like this, when it's 100 degrees out, they're perfect for wicking the sweat off. And, and not to overstate their magic powers, but I really do think... Um, they prevent the inside of like after a workout. My the mm-hmm. inside of my sneakers don't really smell, right? Be- because that's of, true, isn't that yeah. true? Huh? <laughs> no stink. Uh, Bombas no show socks are designed for comfort while being specially engineered to never fall down. So let your ankles be free to soak up the sunlight. Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right. Bombas underwear is so breathable and fits so well it feels like you're wearing nothing at all in a good way. And did you know that socks, underwear, and T-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. So go to bombas.com slash T-L-O and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash T-L-O for 20% off. Bombas.com slash T-L-O. Thank you, Bombas. All right, moving on. To, moving on to more fashion talk. Um, okay, so I, I, I'm just going to get... Those who love listening to Lorenzo more than me are going to have a lovely podcast this week because oh, I'm on, going to try... No pressure. I'm going come to on, try no. and turn uh, the mic over to anyway. you. But but I'll give my first impressions. And, and we talked about this ahead of time. Uh, my first impression of the two fashion exhibits was minor disappointment. I'm not going to lie. Same here. Yeah. Um, it took some time. I had to sit with it. I went and back and, and I had to read some of the uh, stuff that was written about it, the stuff that the Met Museum has on their site and in the program. Um, and I'm, I, I, it's absolutely an exhibit worth anybody's time, especially yeah. anybody who's interested in fashion. I would never claim otherwise. Um, I think it has some deficiencies in as an exhibit in in the sense that it doesn't necessarily it's very esoteric in in its approach right. and it's like well this makes perfect sense to Anna Winter but i think you <laughs> For need someone to, who has more knowledge of fashion i think yeah. or or can yes and um can look at a dress and see how it encompasses an emotion which is part of what the exhibit was about well, that's part of what they do anyway fashion people so but it, it needed to lead uh the the viewer right. or the the exhibit attendee it right. needed to lead them through it a little bit better um that's one, uh, and when we get into this, I'll get into the specifics, like the Battle of Versailles. We're going to talk about yeah, that we'll talk later. Yeah, we'll talk about both separately. Um, and and uh, I think sometimes the exhibit focused uh, too much on contemporary fashion, and I, I, it wasn't giving you enough of a sense of right, the, right. the long history of fashion in America. When it did get into that history, 
that's some of the best parts of the exhibit. Right. So, okay, over well, to you. Well, first of all, this is the best time to visit the Met, I would, I should say, because they have it's three... It's air-conditioned. <laughs> not only that, but they have three uh, fashion exhibitions uh, mm-hmm. going on right now. They have the, the kimono one that we posted on our site, right. which is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, yes. I, those are my personal pictures, uh, pictures that I took. They're not great at all because the it was difficult. The lighting was difficult. Right. Uh, and, you know, I don't like to take too many pictures in a museum anyway, so I was trying to be like very... <laughs> I do not understand people who take and, pictures and, yeah. of paintings i don't understand it but uh, anyway don't so, even get me started. That's, so they're not great pictures but they give you an idea what the exhibit is all about and and it's just absolutely beautiful and and uh, and you can see the three of them uh with with the price of a general admission fee i mean yes. it's the same yeah same they're not uh, they're not special exhibits right so it, it's great. Uh, and if you can go early, like we went early and we talked to one of the guards and he said, you came here at the right time because it's it's not crowded yet. And it's true. We walked in at 10, went straight to we the... We could uh, go wherever we want, right, unobstructed. We went, we went straight to the uh, fashion exhibits and we were pretty much the only people there yeah. for a few minutes uh, just looking at everything yeah. by ourselves. It was by great. By like two or three in the afternoon, um, Got it starts crowded. getting a little crazy. Right. Um, depending on what exhibits you're looking at. So, so the first one we're going to talk about, it's called Anthology of Fashion. Uh, and they what they have is they have 13-period uh, rooms. Um, and the, what they do is that the, the, the whole exhibition is about uh, the unsung heroes uh, of, of fashion in America, people who made fashion, people who create created uh, garments, but are not very known, and not a lot of people talk about them. Right. Um, so Those are some of my favorite parts of it. It was absolutely beautiful. And uh, so what they did was they had uh, 13 uh, peer rooms. You want to talk about the rooms a little bit? No, no go ahead. So they, they divided the exhibit in, like, into small rooms, so you could go into a room. And they were part of the American wing. Right. It was integrated into right. their own exhibits in the, in the, in the museum. That's right, because when you walk in, the first thing you see is George Washington's uh, coat, and then you see Abraham Lincoln's uh, right. jacket, right. Uh, the one he was wearing when he was assassinated. So you 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 face with that a little right. bit of American history uh, and fashion, uh, and uh, which and, is important because yes. um, you know fashion. Again, these these exhibits are meant for the general public, and it's good for some, uh, an exhibit like this to establish that right from the, the from the get go. Whatever you think of fashion, right. if you think it's just magazine covers and runways, no. it's life and it's history. People exactly. wore clothes, exactly. and things happened exactly. in those clothes. And sometimes the clothing themselves were important to history, were important to two events that unfolded. Uh, so it, it's great that it establishes that right from the start. Um, one of my favorite parts of uh, that, that uh, we're talking about anthology, right? Yeah, one of my favorite parts of anthology was uh, the way it focused, not just on historical stuff, but on, there was a special focus on um, department store lines of the mid-century. Yes, yes. We'll, and, we'll talk a little about that. And I, yeah. I loved that because, again, uh, fashion isn't, when you talk about fashion, especially in a museum sense, not in a you know, say consumer sense. Um, uh, it's, it's not just pretty things on runways. It's clothes that people, it's an industry, it's a business. It's, it's determining uh, that, that, that part in that was about mid-century department store lines. It really shows you that um, 
these people who were working behind the scenes. These were not uh, some of these people became well well known, like Claire McCardle, I think her name is, and and Bonnie Cashin, and a few other ones. But um, the fact remains that these designers determined how American women were going yes, to yes, look yes. for decades upon. And mm-hmm. we're not talking big name people like Michael Kors. We're talking about people who designed behind the scenes, design lines right, right, that right. sold in department stores. That is actually one of my favorite part of the exhibition. Mine too. Um, you, you walk in and you see all these quote-unquote department store clothes and mm-hmm. they, they were designed by for example claire potter very famous designer back in the 40s and 50s mm-hmm. and, uh she worked for lord and taylor uh they also have vera maxwell um right they have all these great designers and they're beautiful clothes and and when you look at them they're so american in style they so define their decades yes they yeah. represent so much more so than a vogue yes cover. absolutely so it's a beautiful part of the exhibition right um it pays an fantastic homage to these people right uh behind the scenes the because the, at you know you have to remember that uh, in fact i think claire potter was the first designer who became like the designer you know right. had the first one put on a pedestal let me put it this way right as a fashion designer because you know back then you work for a house you work for for a store right you know um and you didn't have a name i mean they, your name didn't mean much uh, the label yes but right. not you so they do a very good job. Uh, I agree. You can see beautiful, beautiful garments. Um, Those were some of my favorite parts right. of the, ex- m- much more so than the high fashion pieces or even the, you know, they had, um, uh, what's um, Mary Todd Lincoln's dressmaker, who was yes. the first black dressmaker at the White House. Uh, they had her dresses there. Um but it none of it struck me more than than that right, right. that bit of mid century department store clothing because right. I was like this is you know my my mother my grandmother exactly. my great grandmother they all dress like this because these designers told them to dress right. like I this. mean the minute I walked in I was like yes yes this is so gorgeous I just want to go yeah. back here a little bit and explain that as I said there are thirteen period rooms what they tried to do it's because fashion in America back then was so much influenced by uh, French uh, right. fashion <clears throat> the rooms are design with a lot of French uh, elements and and they they try to recreate uh, famous rooms like a ballroom or or you right know, right right places where people went to uh, and got dressed up so every room was uh, and they also invited uh, American directors film to, directors yes to reimagine the room so you have incredible rooms uh, by Regina King for example I think some of these worked better than others yes I agree I agree uh, it got a, a little diorama like yes, hi- yes. history diorama-esque because it's basically mannequins in period rooms staged in scenes wearing period uh clothing right uh some worked some didn't some worked and some didn't um my favorite of those rooms we talked about was the Anlo room oh my god it was absolutely Anlo was the uh you may have heard her name before she was the uh black um high society fashion designer of the mid-century she designed jackie kennedy's uh, wedding gown. Yes, and she uh, also designed the Oliva the um, Oliva de Havilland uh, Oscar dress uh, for the Academy Awards in 1946. Yeah. Um, the great thing about that room is it had a bunch of women, uh, in, a bunch of mannequin figures in Anlo creations, uh, at, but then it also had behind each one of them a mannequin dressed basically in Anlo's signature right. look. Uh, working on the dresses. So it was a tribute to Anlo's design, but it was also a tribute to Anlo's work and herself as a figure. Because there's, you know, 
It, and it wasn't lost on me that the uh, the mannequins wearing her clothes were light skinned, and the mannequin that was yes, Anne yes. Lowe was dark. So she she makes for this very shadowy figure there, behind every woman. Right. It was very very poignant and it's powerful. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, yeah. The room is gorgeous. The room has a a mint green gown, I believe, with with a lace jacket. I don't remember. And then the, a fantastic wedding dress. Yeah. Uh, and then there there's a table, and then pictures of Jackie Kennedy. Jackie wearing, in her wedding yeah, gown. Yeah. It's just a beautiful room yeah. absolutely gorgeous room created by um who created the room uh, julie dash thank you yes martin so, scorsese did a room and it's very mid-century Sophia uh, coppola she Sophia coppola did a room her room was great um but like i said that it could get a little history right. diorama-esque and again um I, in some of these instances, it it felt very esoteric what they were I going agree, for. It's like you need to explain, and I'm not trying to make it sound like the average um, museum goer is an idiot, uh, but, but I didn't but you need feel a little more. I mean, I went around to other exhibits yes. in the museum, and stuff gets explained. The kimono exhibit explains things to you. I agree. Um, I need a little more explanation. Yeah. Uh, her room is absolutely gorgeous, and and it. It's such a beautiful homage to her to, uh, her work. Uh, and Lowe, you and, mean. Yes, yeah, yeah. and Lowe's. I mean, like, it's just work. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. Uh, they, It's just amazing. I was very touched by it. Uh, she means so much. Uh, she did so yeah. much. Um, Someone's going to do a movie on her Oh, my God, they soon. have to do a movie about yeah. her because her story is beautiful. She moved to New York, opened her store. She had a lot of troubles, uh, you know, and not of, enough of this is in that exhibit. No, they no, because really of her race. Yeah. yeah, because of her race, because she went through a, a lot of financial uh, troubles. Uh, she right. owned money, a lot of money. Um, she There's a story that when she designed the dress for Jackie Cannon, she actually took the dress to their, um, you know, mention and they they asked her to use the uh, servant entrance and she refused she right. said I'll, I'll turn around and i'll take the dress back and then finally let her use the the front entrance there's so much about her life her story uh she designed so many beautiful gowns but right. people wouldn't mention her name because she was african-american uh there's a lot there's a lot about her story uh, and it's not in that exhibit to my satisfaction. No, These no. were some of the deficits of that exhibit. Right. Can we talk about the ver- Battle of Versailles? I just want to finish here. Her motivation, she keeps talking about uh, her motivation, and I quote her here. She says, to prove that a Negro can become a major dress designer. That just makes me, ah, oh, it's uh, just powerful. Oh, powerful. It's so powerful, and I'm so glad they had a whole room for her. Yeah. Um, now, they had a pretty spectacular yes, yes. display for the Battle of Versailles. Yes. If you have listened to our podcast before, you may... We did, I think, an entire podcast on yeah. the Battle of Versailles because it was depicted in the Halston series, series yes. uh, that Ewan McGregor was in. Um, um, we're not going to run through that whole thing again, but the Battle of Versailles was a, a seminal moment in post-war American fashion. It established... American high fashion as being on as high a level as right. uh, French and Italian fashion, so especially you, we, French fashion. Yeah, if you don't know, very short, uh, you know, version of it. Um, American designers were invited to go to Paris and 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 sort of like present their collection together with Oscar French designers. Yes. Bill Blass, Halston, uh, Steve uh, Burroughs. Yes, uh, uh, <coughs> pardon me. Yes. Um. So several designers. Um. And. Uh, yeah, Anne Klein, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. Anne Klein. So Liza Minnelli performed. Yes, it was a it big. Was, it was at Versailles. Yeah, and the, the incredible thing about it is that they weren't expecting much. So there's not much. There's no 
not pictures. There's no like video. There's nothing because they didn't think it was going to be a big deal. But it was an enormous deal. It was an amazing thing that <laughs> happened. Uh, it's one of the most important moments in, in fashion, American uh, fashion And uh, in history. fashion of the yeah. last century. It, yes. it, um, the French press and uh, the French fashion press were shocked. Were shocked to see American designers putting out work that was just making people, you know, Standing ovations and right. everything. Um, and they were very smart uh, to bring their show uh, in a very American style kind of way. They didn't try to replicate anything French. Uh, everything was very American. No, it Very redefined. bright colors yeah. and, and just the, you know, representing American designers and the American style of the time. So Tom Ford uh, reimagined the room. It's one oh, the, I didn't know that was yes, him. Yes, Tom uh, Ford. Uh, yes, Tom Ford that is the one who it was created so dramatic. the uh, Battle of Versailles uh, room. It's, oh my God, the my reaction when I walked in, it's this incredible round room, yeah. huge room, uh, mirrored uh, ceilings, um, and they have this sort of like metallic uh, mannequins. Yes, yeah, they of, have these silver faceless disco yeah. mannequins. And they're all modeling uh, the designs that were in the Battle of Versailles. French and American. The French and American designs yeah. that were in the Battle of Versailles. But they're all, um, they're custom mannequins. These are not, you wouldn't find these in a department store. They're all doing battle. They're all like, uh, they're either fighting with swords or they're doing like high kicks and, and martial arts and yeah. everything like that. And So it's a French uh, mannequin. I'm versus say, an American yeah. mannequin. Yeah. So and the great thing about the poses, because cool. they're in like these action movie poses, but because of the poses, the drape on the dresses and everything was spectacular. You really got to see all of the draping and the drama. Yeah. In I mean, we're talking about things like Halston and Bill Blast in the 70s. There's a lot of drape and drama in those clothes. They also have... I didn't realize that was Tom yes, Ford. Yes, they also have... The it. walls are the uh, the work of John Vanderlyn, which is the uh, panoramic view of... Um, Versailles. The, the palace and the gardens yeah. of Versailles. So That's why this, it's in that room. Yes, yeah, so because... The, yeah, so you walk around that beautiful view yeah. of, of the uh, gardens and, and, and Versailles, and right in the middle, you have this incredible presentation. But, again, I walked around that room and I was like, I know what all of this is referring right. to very, very well. I've watched documentaries on this, but I don't think this exhibit is explaining to I mean, there the is average person right. what this is about why are they all fighting each other well it's a metaphor you right know? there is a small short explanation outside um it's but, not enough but it's not enough to understand the, the amazing room it's free and there's music playing yeah there's like disco music playing and it's everything incredible it's yeah. an amazing room we'll have a picture in the post but it's it's absolutely gorgeous it was uh probably my second favorite part of the exhibit um now do you want to talk about the other yeah the other ex ex exhibit which is a lexicon of fashion yeah it's a lexicon of fashion the idea is to create short stories about overlooked periods of american history uh of the fashion <coughs> industry so what they did was they they have this vocabulary so they have um they they invited designers you know contemporary designers so they mixed the collection a little it's they have looks from 1940s all the way to uh the present time mm -hmm. um so you, you you have tom brown and then you have you you, you have all sorts of designers right. Uh, combine and what they did was is they were supposed to create a collection or create a look they asked the designers to create a look based on a uh being inspired by a, a patchwork uh quilt and the thing is the most beautiful part is that the whole idea was referenced by 
1856 quilt you can find in in a museum. It was yeah. it was a quilt created by this uh, I believe she's 17 year old girl called Ellen uh, Harris Sears. What she did back then was that she wanted to create a, a quilt, so she sent swatches to a bunch of famous people of the time. Now, what was mail like back then? I know. So I know. it's not like she could go down to UPS. So and... I know. So she sends this swatch. It's an, it's an incredible story. And then with a note saying, could you please return the swatch to me with, with sign by you? And by you, I mean Abraham Lincoln and who else? Uh, there's like so many famous, uh, Charles Dixon, all these right. people. I like so. So what she did was she uh, incorporated all these uh, swatches and created this beautiful uh, quote. You can Google her name and um, the mat, and you can find the quote. So, so that the quilt. So that was the idea, the inspiration behind it, and it's an absolutely gorgeous quilt. So they went with that and asked the designers to recreate a look, to create a look using patchwork as their inspiration patchwork uh quilts so it's interesting it's a i was a little underwhelmed uh, because i thought some of the looks weren't that great um, i agree and this was the section where i was like okay 75 percent of this is no older than 2017 it's just a lot of contemporary fashion it's a lot of contemporary fashion and what they but they they do have interesting looks and what they did was they they paired each look with a word with a vocabulary mm, a fashion vocabulary it was a little esoteric so it was like joy and comfort and uh, i don't know confidence and then they they had the word it didn't <clears> work <throat> for me and they had the look <clears throat> i was I, it was it was an interesting idea, but I thought I didn't think the looks were that great, uh, and the whole thing was a little confusing. Like I I I didn't know about the original quilt uh, created by the little girl. Uh, someone had uh, one of yeah, the guards. Yeah, it wasn't well presented. No, it wasn't well presented. One of the guards actually pointed that out to me, and, yeah. and she's like, "Did you see this here?" And I then I stopped and looked, and I was like, "Oh my god, this right. is the whole thing!" Right, and we're missing uh, some information here. So I didn't think the setup was great, but both exhibits are worth your time. Now we're very late getting to it. They're both closing in like six weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. um, but uh, they were a great um, little cross section of American fashion, the yeah. history of it, the meaning of it, the importance of it and the beauty of it. Uh, I agree. I agree. We, we don't talk a lot about American fashion and the importance of it and how it, it was established and developed. Right. I don't think, yeah, we, so it was interesting too. Oh, and there's a lot of indigenous uh, designs too. And, and right. So uh, they, they, um, they, they called, they invited several designers um, for the exhibition too. So that's great. That, that was nice to incorporate all that. that there's a whole room with, with uh, indigenous uh, looks and, and, and garments. So absolutely great. Yes, if you are um, passing through New York or live in New York, it, it is definitely worth your time. Um, and it ha you have six more weeks to go see it. Also, the kimono exhibit, absolutely fantastic. Oh my God, that one is absolutely fantastic. All right, moving on to matters of the red carpet. Uh, we're not going to over again to, to allude, go back to what you were alluding to. The the thing about Brad Pitt wearing a skirt is you don't want to make too big a deal out of it because well, you know, okay, well, Billy Porter's been wearing skirts. Harry Styles has been wearing skirts. Right. Uh, you know, Bad Bunny's been wearing skirts. It's not that new. Oscar Isaac wore, you know, Tom Brown has whole lines of kilts that men, male stars have been wearing on the, on the red carpet. But skirts, skirts, not quilt. Remember? Some of kilts. Are well, Tom Brown's, those are kilts. Mm. They're pleated like a kilt. Um, some of them at least. Right. Um, 
anyway, uh, so but we we called in and uh, we said that when it actually means something when Brad Pitt does it, when someone like Brad Pitt yeah. does it, it's not just that he's white and cishet. Uh, he's not the first white cishet uh, man to wear a, a you know a skirt on the red carpet. But he is so mainstream, and he is so A-list. Like he is a A-list, world-class movie star who's been around for three decades. Um, it's it's notable when he does something like right. this. It is, and you know, a bunch of people kept saying yes, but he wore dresses for a Rolling Stone or Vanity Fair editorial in the '90s, and that's true because grunge did go through a short period where it inspired men to right. wear like these cute little sundresses. I have written a lot of on drag and on um, men wearing women's wear. And I would not classify that, that nineties trend of wearing little cute little sundresses. Uh, It's not along the same lines as what's been happening the past several years. Um, This, that was a form of costume. Like let's put on a girl's dress and let's show how, I don't know, secure I am in my masculinity, whatever. Um, that's different from let's reimagine what menswear actually looks like. Right. Let's let's change the form. Let's change the expectation. That's what's been going on in the past few years. And there's a reason why we brought up Billy Porter when we talked about um, Brad Pitt is because that was kind of a watershed moment at the Oscar. I think it was 2019. He wore that Christian Siriano gown, which was based on a uh, Hector Extravaganza gown from the... Uh, House of Extravaganza in the ball community in New York in the 80s. But the reason that's notable is because uh, it was reimagined menswear. He wasn't just in a woman's dress. He was in something that was designed for his male body to wear, and it used menswear tropes. The whole top of that gown looked like a tuxedo. Uh, And this is what we mean about... uh, And Harry Styles has been doing the same thing, where it's not about putting on dresses that have been designed for women, uh, it's about reimagining the forms of menswear and reimagining or or pushing against the boundaries of me- what is considered masculinity. Yes. No, I totally agree. I think, and we have seen this development. I think, um, you know, we. Yes, it's uh, been happening. It's uh, been happening, and with the help of stylists, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, before uh, male celebrity wouldn't wouldn't even have a stylist. You know, they, I mean, I I remember the dates when they were interviewed, and they would say, "Well, my wife helped me, you know, pick right. my look." Blah, blah, blah. Right. She so, tells me what to wear. She a tells lot me of what them to still wear. say stuff like that. But most of them are. Will wearing... Smith said it at the Oscars. Yes, before, he did. Before he slapped. It looks what happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they are using stylists now, and uh, should 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 have a stylist would avoid all that. I know. See? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, they are uh, using the services of a stylist, which which is incredible. Uh, and uh, the, the stylist, the thing is, they can they work with the clients. Yes. They don't try and force them into things that they would never wear. But a good stylist will try and push against. They open up their horizons. Yeah, I mean, know, because yeah. and um, we were asked about this. Uh, uh, we don't know when this piece, and it may not run at all. You you do these interviews, and sometimes you're on the phone for forty minutes, and they use like. 10 words uh, in a line. But a journalist for a major newspaper called us yesterday to talk about this. And he asked us, he said, do you think, you know, Brad was anticipating that kind of attention? Or do you think he was just expressing himself? And I almost laughed in the phone. And ultimately, this journalist said he totally agreed with us uh, in the sense that 
no, of course he knew it was going to. That's yeah, why he did it. Of course. That he he knew his style. And this is what stylists do. They help stars stay fresh, stay relevant, and stay talked about. Right. That is part of their job. It's not just to make them look good. It's to make them go viral. Right. Um, and I, what's happening now among male stars uh, is, and we're talking mainstream white cishet male stars now are doing this, uh, but we are going to acknowledge that the origins were other than that. Um, but you're seeing male stars like Brad Pitt and also Chris Pine is a name that keeps coming up over and over again. His style has gotten so crazy in the last couple of years. And in his case, he's walking down the street getting papped, dressed in these outrageous outfits. He, did you see the gold lame coat that he was wearing yeah. with no shirt the other day? Um, he is not... For nothing, but he's dressing like a, a um, like a gay man from the 1970s, and uh, again, he's got all of his outfits go viral now. And again, I'm sure Chris Pine is expressing himself. He's always had a, a wild, mm-hmm. and I, I've always appreciated. We've always appreciated his take with fashion. But he's also, you know, he's a movie star. He's been around a long time, and he knows that these outfits mm-hmm. get him some attention. Right. Right. I, I, I think it's great f- uh, for everybody. I, I think the stylists are doing a phenomenal job because y- y- they they don't push it. They don't push the looks, but they suggest them, they explain why. Right. And they have a relationship with, with, with the fashion houses. So they can, you know, sort of like present it as a case. You right. Know, this is what you should be wearing and right. why and so on. And for the most part, they convince the, uh, the, the celebrities to wear them. Stars want to remain relevant. Yeah. And they want to exactly. be talked about. So. And what I love about all this, especially male uh, celebrities, is that uh, they're moving away from, um, you know, the Armani looks and the Dolce Gabbana's. Look. Yeah, just I'm the... not saying they're, they're, they stop wearing them, but they're because they want to be more innovative in, in the way they present themselves. They they are uh, sourcing designers that we never heard of before, or they're not very famous, like Chris Pines, for example. He wore. Uh, and we posted on our site a whole Bodhi. Bodhi. Bodhi uh, um, it's it, Bodhi's a brand by Emily Bodhi, and it's a, she's a, an American designer from New York. Very boho hippie. Yes, and embroidered. She, yes, and she talks about her brand as you know she wants to preserve and and pay homage to uh, her own experience in life. That's why the, right. the looks look very vintage, seventies, um, eighties, uh, and I love it. And yeah. he looked. Fantastic. I mean, it's not for everybody. No, of course not. But he looked great. And uh, so they're all, all doing that. Like Brad Pitt, for example. Uh, right. All the looks for, for the uh, to promote the movie now, they're all from, they're all by, uh, what's his name? Uh, Hans Nicholas Mott. Right. He, not famous from New York, not very famous from New York. Um, also a designer that we got are, quite a boost this week. Yes, though. exactly. So I, I love all that. I, I think it's um, great. I think but it's even great for this everybody. week, there's been a lot of menswear this week because it's yeah. um, action movie season, and we did sort of predict this. We said when we were on lockdown that once everything went back to whatever normal stands for these days, that there was going to be an explosion. That mm-hmm. the, the red carpet was going to go crazy, and I really feel like we are seeing that play out. There's a lot of forces at work not to overstate things, that result in something like Brad Pitt wearing a skirt. And and one of those things is the idea that fashion for celebrities has been getting wilder and wilder across the board over the last, I'd say, three years. And it's not really letting up. Look at someone like, not that he dresses in crazy-ass fashion, but look at what Chris Evans has been wearing all week long for the Grey Man tour. 
I remember when he was Captain America, he came out in suits. It was, right. It was just no, yeah. nice blue suits. And Ryan, too. That brought out the blue in his eyes. And this week, he's wearing all kinds of, like, you know, knit polo shirts and yeah. and these very retro vintage-looking looks and pleated pants and high waters. And um, it's not... It's not that he's dressing crazy, but uh, he's dressing outside the norm of what the way he used to dress. Right. Uh, Same thing with um, Ryan Ryan Gosling, who uh, I think is being a little inspired by his time playing Ken in the Barbie movie, where he's wearing all these pastels or these very like cutie cute kind of they're very cutesy little ensemble, right? So I mean, and that's I know. The, yeah. So those all of these forces are at work, but. Um, what I wanted to talk about a little bit was the ones who sort of paved the way for this moment. Right. We've already mentioned Billy Porter, and he was a big one. Um, uh, following on his heels, I would say, someone like Lil Nas X, who uh, can, hits that red carpet, and it right. is so about his own self-expression. Mm -hmm. About And this is the thing. This is what we're seeing in male stars, even white, cishet male stars now, is this understanding that fashion is a form of self-expression. Yes. You can use it to express who you are. It's not just to get you through the picture-taking. It's to brand yourself or to express yourself. Right. And it's what we. this is why we're so thrilled about it is because for literally 10 years, we've been saying to male stars, dress like performers and artists because right. that's what you are. Don't dress like business people because that's not what we want to see. We want to see you come out and and... Look like an artist, look like a pop star, look like whatever. And we're starting to see more and more of that in mainstream, like male movie stars. Um, but I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see someone like, I mean, we're tired of him now, but Jared Leto, for example. Exactly. I mean, he's, he kind of created... He did a lot for white cis yes, men. With he really did. With all his crazy Gucci uh, looks. And right. yes, he's doing it for attention because he likes the attention. But at the same time... Here's how it That's works. That's what you're supposed to do. And, and this is how it works with celebrities. They see someone doing it successfully. So they they, exactly. they, they call their people and say, I want to do the same. Look at him. I right. want to get the same attention. I want to get the same, you know, type of viral uh, right. representation. So they kind of do the same. So you're seeing, um, I want to say mature, not, I don't mean like, well, Brad Pitt is mature. He's 58 years old. Uh, Chris Pine's only 41. But we're not talking like ha Harry Styles here. We're not talking like right. uh, Bad Bunny here. We're talking established male design um, celebrities who are suddenly starting to dress much w more wild. But um, this goes back to... Uh, I don't think it's... Um, a coincidence that when men step out of uh, the the rigid menswear boundaries of just your basic classic business suit, when they start getting a little more expressive in their clothing, uh, you see a lot of the 1970s pop up in that clothing. In their, you'll see a lot right. of flared pants and and you know uh, chevrons or or wild colors or or you know whatever wild print, floral prints and everything stuff that reminds people. You'll see a lot of velvet, right? Um, and it reminds people of the 70s. And that's because that's our last reference for the last time menswear really went crazy. Right. I would say that in the 80s, the 80s had a very distinct uh, uh, series of trends that hit menswear. And some of them could occasionally get wild. But when you're talking about mainstream, what men wore, it was pretty basic preppy styles. That was the 1980s. It was very, very conservative. It was only in the 70s mm -hmm. where men were dressing 
um, not for nothing, but they were dressing their bodies, which is not something men are always um, encouraged to, to do. do. Yeah. But they, in the 70s, men were willing to show off their asses. Tight, tight they were yeah. showing off their crotches. They were showing off their chests because that was the period in which it was. they were encouraged to do so um, and to think of themselves in a sexual way. And every time men, mainstream men, start doing this in fashion, they are pulling, at least in the last century, they are pulling from black male uh, fashion tropes, Latino male fashion oh, tropes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. and queer male fashion mm-hmm. tropes. They are the ones who always lead the way. Lead the way. This was in the in zoot suits in the 1940s yes. when they were all dressing super crazy. That was black and Latino. Yeah. That came right out of the disco people. And then in the 70s, the, yes. with uh, all that disco stuff, all that experimentation and how men dressed. I mean, it had its origins in the in the sort of um, swinging '60 fashion explosion. Men were de- were dressing pretty crazy in the '60s too, but it, my point is, it went mainstream in the '70s. Um, as I'm not the first person to point this out, that Lyndon Johnson had uh, long hair and sideburns in the 1970s after he retired, and the idea of a figure that mainstream that that you know uh, doing that 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 mm-hmm. tells you how widespread right. that those changes were back then. And um, so you're seeing this sort of play out again, not so much with um, the average man on the street. It it may, maybe you'll all start wearing flared pants and and crazy knit shirts again, but it's really right now only happening among stars. And um, the, the Brad Pitt thing, it meant something to us and to all the other people who wrote about it this week because we recognized it for what it was. It was like, oh, this, this is a tipping point. It's one thing when Harry Styles dresses this way or Bad Bunny or Little Nas X right. or maybe, maybe Timothy Chalamet, although Timothy Chalamet does not play with gender all that much. Um, uh, but when Brad Pitt does it, oh, okay, well, that's something. That's that's you know that guy's been around for 30 years that's you know he is the you know he and tom cruise are like the last male movie stars so um it'll be interesting to see for us where it goes from here does it go even further mainstream like obviously tom cruise is never going to dress this way but um i think with the new generations and, and the pressure the younger male stars yeah, yeah. younger male stars like josh o'connor are wearing all oh, those um low evs uh, piece you right, know right right uh incredible looks i mean he when he was doing the crown uh tour uh he was wearing all these incredible looks and and so you do see that a lot with the new people i think with right. the new generation uh and because of social media because everyone is posting i mean i see because i go on instagram to find out who they're wearing and all that you know i have everything bookmark all the stylists and and i see now uh, male celebrities actually posting about their. I mean, yeah, uh, you see a lot more of that. You see a lot more of that. Uh, like they're 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 telling you who they're wearing, and that never happened before. That's something completely new and and, and different now. I'm I'm sure there's money to be made oh, in course. that arena. Of course, like of course. like these these male stars are and their stylists are starting to figure out that they can get uh, you know relationships with brands. They they especially these up and coming brands. Right, right. They sell out. Chris Evans. Uh, wore a shirt we posted on our site and i remember going to the site to look at the picture and it was cheap and not cheap but no, it was like, it was a like 200 six, oh no, it was no it was more money it was that. more than it that. was like 240 dollar uh, polo shirt but i went that's to not cheap, but no you know that's what not I mean. cheap but cheap for them anyway so uh i went to the site and i saw the look and i i even thought about it oh maybe i should buy it for me but then i i decided not to and then i t- 
refresh the page and it was so down. It was gone, yeah. It was gone. Like, it, it, so it, it will have a trickle-down effect in some sense, although Chris Evans still dresses fairly mainstream. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, the last time we went through a period where men were this expressive in their fashion, like I said, we snapped back to the 1980s. We always do. <clears throat> Pardon me. I think we both have air conditioning colds Maybe. or something. Don't give me that look. <laughs> anyway. No, no, I'm just, I, it's Mew Mew here too. So it's like uh, towards the end of the podcast, everybody decides to make noises here. Uh, but um, yeah, I, it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, I think it's great. I think the studies are doing a good job. Um, and and I, I think it means something. It means something. <clears throat> and, and it changed a little because if you see so, some of these celebrities, especially the straight ones, wearing a more adventurous look i mean you know people look at it like all right maybe i'll try that shirt right. maybe i'll try something similar um because that's how it works right. that's how it works if it's only the queer people wearing crazy clothes quote unquote crazy clothes um you know you you think oh you know they're it's funny for the queers. they're funny that way yeah uh, <laughs> they've got some funny ideas yeah that's the line from Mad Men. we use it all the time anyway um but if it's a straight man you know then you're like okay i guess we're not all- to Pardon me, not to overpraise him. No, but no, we're not. he's not taking any risks. He shouldn't be applauded for that. No, it's just a matter of acknowledging. All right, well, this is a tipping point when someone like Brad Pitt does this. You right. know, exactly. uh, it's we've officially started rethinking what menswear is supposed to look like right. in the mainstream. Um, and we'll, I'm curious. I, I don't. I wouldn't overpredict. I don't see this becoming. Um, you know, like the way Chris Pine dresses, the way Brad Pitt has been dressing this week. I'm not sure how mainstream that sort of thing will actually go. Yeah, like I don't if know men are going to walk down know, the street. I don't know what's in their water because if you look at the pictures, even the pictures for the for the, uh, the promo shots, the photo calls and everything, they're having fun. They're like jumping and, and, and hugging each other and ju- doing crazy things. So I don't right. know. I don't know what's in the water right now. <laughs> but uh, I'm interested. I'm interested in see what happens uh, next. But Same. All right. Um, we will be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks and until then, take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening to us. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye.